listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip guy, Bruce Leland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community health care. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland. Hey, welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. What a special episode. I've been waiting for uh, Bruce to join me on my own show. Hard to believe, Bruce, but I've been podcasting for 14 years. I've never actually had my own show. It's always been another pharmacist or another guest or uh, host like yourself. So This Week in Pharmacy is is finally my show. <laughs> and welcome to my show, Bruce. Welcome to uh, This Week in Pharmacy. This is a montage. This is a collaboration between Pharmacy Crossroads and This Week in Pharmacy because, uh, Bruce, you helped us to launch um, Pharmacy Crossroads uh, more than, what, two years ago? And it's one of our most popular podcasts dedicated to community pharmacy. So welcome to This Week in Pharmacy, Bruce. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your your. Uh... I'm trying to think of the cliche, but it's your your big show. So yeah, the, the words will come to me in a couple minutes when it's too late, but happy to be here. Um, Pharmacy Crossroads has been a phenomenal experience for me. I think we started our first episode two and a half years ago. It would be August. It'll be three years. Jeez. And uh, right as the pandemic was coming and I couldn't get on the road and go visit any pharmacies anymore. So we took the road show on took the podcast show and here we are almost three years later I, as I counted I think uh, this one with with Mark which is going to be a capstone event for my career is uh, the 35th pharmacy crossroads podcast holy cow and yeah you with, just let the cat well, out of the bag um I, our special guest our we special guest. <laughs> we, we, we have a really special guest, and it's an honor to be able to reach up into the industry and talk to people of this caliber who it's at the top of the pyramid in the in the pharmacy, independent pharmacy industry. And Mark, and we're going to stumble over your last name again, and Sensa, is that close enough? You'll correct me, and we practiced this five times before, but I just don't have the ear for it. Mark popped onto my radar screen about four months ago when it was announced that he was uh, selected to be the CEO for the Independent Pharmacy Cooperative. And uh, after some finagling and pulling some strings, we were finally able to get Mark to find some time in his schedule and uh, and chat with us and kind of share his vision for what he's going to do as he takes the helm of IPC moving forward. This episode of Pharmacy Crossroads is sponsored by Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, widely known as IPC. Established in 1983, IPC is the nation's largest group purchasing organization owned by Independent Pharmacy. With a mission of maximizing the success of community pharmacists, IPC works to provide members with access to effective programs and services designed to enhance profitability for independent pharmacy. Read more about our mission by checking out our website at ipcrx.com. That's ipcrx.com. We hope you enjoy this episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. 
that, Mark, I'm going to let you take a minute or two and tell us who you are and where you came from, and then we'll ask you the hard questions. Absolutely, and thank you very much uh, for having me on the on the show today. And uh, I'm certainly very excited to be, you know, in the position I'm at here at, at IPC and and uh, being able to carry on kind of the traditions of our organization, taking over from Don Anderson, who was retired on uh, December 31st, and really taking a look at how do we grow our group and how do we continue to future-proof independent pharmacy uh, now and into the future and, and getting us uh, on a sustainable path uh, going forward. So uh, as you said, my name is Mark Essensa. Uh, pretty good on the uh, pronunciation. I, I even mentioned before that uh, even members of my own family pronounce it differently, so uh, no insults uh, taken. But it is Mark with a C uh, because I am French. I'm French-Canadian, so uh, it is Mark with a C uh, if you're ever trying to look me up or trying to drop me an email um, in, in, in the future. So kind of a little bit of a background. So I mentioned I'm Canadian, so I uh, started in the industry 26 years ago. Uh, I was actually working for McKesson uh, in Canada. So when I graduated from the University of Alberta with a business degree, uh, I started off as a warehouse uh, supervisor on the night shift in our facilities down in Calgary, Alberta. And then subsequently got a few promotions. I went up to Edmonton, Alberta, which uh, huge independent such, uh, structures up in Canada, very robust independent market up there. Um, you know, uh, Daryl Cates was actually one of my customers before he became a billionaire and sold Rexall to, uh, at the time, McKesson. Wow. Um, he was one of my first customers um, up at Capilano Rexall uh, back in the late 90s. So moved around McKesson, Canada for until 2003, and I had the opportunity to come to the United States. So McKesson at the time got me what's known as an L1A visa, which is a company transfer visa. And I moved to Hartford, Connecticut, ran uh, the distribution centers in Hartford and, and the whole New England area, and then subsequently uh, went from Calgary, Edmonton, then to Hartford, next to Los Angeles. So I was in Los Angeles at our Southern California uh, distribution operations group. And then uh, we did a bit of a reorganization as to how we went to market, and we wanted some uh, cross-functional leaders uh, at the company at the time. And so coming out of the distribution network as a director of operations running warehouses, uh, I went to vice president and general manager where I had responsibility for independent sales, hospital sales, and distribution operations. And I concurrently moved to, uh, to St. Louis, for which 10 years I was the vice president and general manager for the North Central region, um, taking care of those particular classes of trade and customers. Uh, great, great experience, great cross-section of, of the industry. He's learned a lot there. And then in 2018, uh, you all may remember in the industry, McKesson uh, was the third large wholesaler to go into the secondary business, and they purchased Masters Drug Company, um, similar to what um, you know Parmed is or, or uh, SmartSource is for Amerisource and Cardinal. So when the purchase of Masters happened in 2018, it was important that uh, at the time to McKesson um, to bring in somebody to integrate that company within the, into the McKesson Corporation. So I moved to Dayton, Ohio, uh, where I was situated for uh, for three and a half years in Dayton. And I ran the and integrated the, the Masters Drug Company, which had a lot of autonomy. I was, I was completely separate from the McKesson organization. Um, they allowed me to run the company the way it wanted to. They wanted to continue that model. And I think we were quite successful at it. And we uh, certainly enjoyed our time there. And I learned a lot about 
the uh, the buy side and manufacturers and secondaries and certainly uh, our entire customer base at the time was independent pharmacy, so right. I had a lot of great uh, great crossover information. At the time, I also was subsequently running our uh, Sky Packaging, which is our manufacturing arm for unit dose hospital unit dose, and I also ran McKesson's 3PL business called RxTPL. So had a big portfolio, got to see a lot of different industry stuff, got to learn a lot about it, and. Uh, up until November of this year, when uh, the uh, the announcement that came out that uh, I'd be taking over, I went through a process, a very short process, with the uh, the IPC uh, board of directors. So you asked the question, you know, how does how did Mark get to this position? How did he how did he come to IPC? Well, it just so happens that uh, as a distribution center manager and then a vice president general manager, all of the or a lot of the the uh, the key members of the board. I did their contracts for them. So um, that was part of my, you know, part of my territory. I knew a lot of those individuals and I think they respected the way that I, I, I treated their businesses. They respected the way I negotiated their contracts, educated them on the industry from our perspective. And uh, I believe uh, successfully that uh, they thought that this would be a good fit for the challenges ahead, as well as the challenges currently within the IPC organization in order to take what Don has, has, has created and others before him and to take it to the next level. So happy to be here, excited, 25 years at McKesson, but uh, you know, the, the opportunity when the, uh, the board graciously uh, uh, offered me the position was a great opportunity for me and my family. I have a, a wife and a two, two, two daughters, 10 and 12 years old, I uh, started late in life with children and I live today, I live in Dallas, Texas, and I report or I commute back and forth to uh, to Madison as I need. And then, of course, as you all know, in this business, we travel to the different trade shows and, and we're all over the country at all times. And Dallas is actually a, a pretty convenient place for me to get anywhere. No, so. no better airport in the United States to travel the country from from Dallas. It surprised people if you if you take a line and draw it from Seattle to Miami and from Boston to San Diego, it crosses right at Dallas. It's almost exactly in the middle of the country. Um, That's right. Well, I, I mean, you mentioned two or three things there that I'm going to just make you elaborate on. So first of all, you mentioned Rexall. I, I don't know that many of the people listening to our show would be aware that Rexall is a big, vibrant name in Canada. What What is Rexall in Canada? So Rexall, uh, I believe, is around 700 corporate-owned stores under the Rexall banner, similar to what you saw here in the United States for years, uh, Pantone colors, marketing, it looks very much the same. Yeah. Um, it was owned, uh, it was started up and uh, built out by a gentleman named uh, Daryl Cates, um, who grew that, uh, that, you know, that out of his independent buying group that he had at the time, Guardian and IDA Drugs, he was able to, uh, he was able to uh, parlay that into this, this fairly large retailer. Um, and in back, I want, I want to say 2009, 2010, uh, I don't know it exactly, uh, it was purchased by McKesson. So Rexall is a yeah. corporate-owned entity in McKesson. Uh, and, up in it, Canada. and it, you know, I think, I still think there's 700 Rexall signs over stores in the United States. It's uh, pretty hard to get some of these guys to take those old signs down. I, I love the heritage of it. I love yeah, the name. Yeah, I do too. I and, do too. Uh, I hope it does have some some longevity you know, well past our times in the yeah. field, so. Well, that's a, a wonderful introduction. There's several rabbit holes I'd like to chase down, but we, we're going to avoid some of my personal interests here and try to say, okay, okay. McKess McKesson and IPC, 
Um, is that a good a, a good background for you to take this independent cooperative and and uh, help pharmacists future proof their pharmacies? I love the future proof word. That was great. Yeah, and thank you for that. So obviously the you know the, taking over from the McKesson side of the business and coming over here, um, there's some benefits and there's certainly some some sensitivities to it that, that you can imagine go along with it, um, especially being an executive at McKesson. You know, for 25, you know, up to 25 years, I think where the crossover is and where it's really good is, is a lot of the relationships, as we know, um, in this industry, people are, are, you know, have different names on different business cards, but they all have the same kind of a passion. And that passion, at least within our space and our class of trade, is necessarily knowing how do we sustain the model um, for independent pharmacy, which I've been uh, working on for, you know, since uh, 19, 2009, uh, when I got into the sales space, how do we continue to develop and organize that particular class of trade to be successful long and into the future? And I think what it's allowed me to do is being on the McKesson side, uh, obviously I was on their segment operating committee at one point on the independent side. So that's new products and services that are developed by their franchise, which is called HealthMart. Um, those are other franchises and other wholesalers. Um, also working and understanding how their PSAO works, also understanding effectively how the business of the business works on their side. And I think that makes me an effective uh, advocate for our members on our side, understanding what is our motivations as to what we need at the time and what McKesson in particular can provide or any wholesalers. So I'd have great insights into anybody in the, in the wholesaling industry, just knowing that the business models are, are similar. So having having those relationships over there, there you know, was not an adversarial leave. Um, sure. Yeah. I hope it was, I hope it was disappointing, <laughs> you know, from an ego standpoint, I hope it was disappointing that, that, that I decided to, to, to move, but certainly the relationships are still there. Um, being able to know where to go, how to get work done, um, you know, when a member or the organization in particular needs something done, um, I'm able to hopefully translate all that a lot. And, uh, and again, being so passionate, especially the last five years, where I was outside the McKesson skirt on the outside, but still working with independent pharmacy kind of gives you an appreciation for, you know, the financial models that everybody's going through today. And how do we continue to look at how do we help on that side, as well as we, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later and yeah. what other product services are we going to do in order to make our, uh, our independence that, stronger for the future. That's a good segue, but I do want to say, so it's been my play. I've been in the business for a while. And the thing that gives me the most confidence in your, in your background, is you say the trust you have from your board of directors, it's been my privilege to, to know and visit almost all of the people who are on your board of directors in their pharmacies. And, and when they tell me that uh, that they thought you were the guy, uh, I I was convinced immediately. So uh, you've got a great board, and and we do want to talk a little bit about your ownership uh, situation in a little bit. But right now, back to the best getting better. Um, name two or three of the challenges that we've got in pharmacy right now, and how you think IPC's positioned to to help overcome those for pharmacy owners. So. Um... You know, taking aside, and I'll get to the, the DIR hangover, obviously, that'll be coming up here uh, in reimbursements, um, being that that's, that's effectively is our major challenge. But some of the things is, I'll start with the opportunities uh, as to how we can help to address some of these things. So what I've been finding in the independent space is that as we have this halo effect coming off of, of COVID, as to the providers that are out in the marketplace, 90% of all COVID vaccines being done in a retail environment, whether it's chain or independent, and how access to 
infrastructure within the nation is so much buoyed by what independents do on a daily basis. We started to take a look at, okay, how do we continue down this halo effect in terms of making sure that we're able to work with lawmakers, work with payers, and then work with networks in order to be able to sustain our model that we're going to have going forward. So we have a very robust government affairs uh, group that is specifically working on, uh, and there are industry people that you may know, and I'm sure you, sure you do with Mark Kenny and John Cavello, uh, as well as support that we have for NA, and, you know, NAC, or any the National Association of Community Pharmacies, as well as uh, others, how do we go forward to advocate for for what we do? So we've been doing a lot of a lot of efforts in meeting with lawmakers for provider status, for uh, you know reimbursement rates, PBM clarity, those types of things. So those are an important part of what we're doing, and we continue to invest in that. You know, through the uh, the IPC uh, group in terms of making sure that we're getting our community pharmacies a voice at the table and to capitalize on this. Uh, halo effect that we have out there. Now, tactically, it's a little bit different. So we're in the process and then we're working on it and, I, and it's not ready for prime time and certainly not ready to, to, to share widely in the market, but just conceptually what we see is with things such as medical billing and teledoc services, telepharmacy, point of care testing, remote, remote patient monitoring, DSCSA compliance at the stores, we have, as an independent owner, you have all these factors coming in to you, multiple vendors on each one of those particular uh, uh, opportunities or issues. It can be very confusing. So what we're trying to look at as the IPC space is to you know, create an environment or an ecosphere where a lot of these things are bundled such that you have solutions for all of these problems with one domain to get to. Uh, and that's what we're currently working yeah. on uh, diligently. Um, you know, we plan on being able to direct members who are either picking you know, counseling patients or working behind the counter or are just absolutely overworked at the time who don't have time to put the mind share that needs to be into this particular space and to use what we do in our expertise and obviously as a group purchasing organization, leveraging contracts and, and relationships to put it all together. So that's what we're currently working on in order to be able to maximize the uh, opportunities for independent pharmacies to take advantage of situations that come up to them a la carte. So as much or as little as you wish to be uh, involved in it or what makes sense for your business, because not everything is gonna fit everywhere. So I, I think that's I, one of the biggest things that we're working on. I, I love how you step through five or six things that are on the horizon that are real and, and, you know, an organization like yours has got the size and scope and talent, like say, to pull that all together and, and be able yeah. to take it piece by piece to members where they are and uh, eliminate some of the confusion. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting time for pharmacists right now if they can figure out how to take that step forward into the unknown. Yeah. And, and my experience is that those who've done that are uh, making money and uh, and growing. And quite frankly, one of the biggest trends I see in the industry right now is successful independents buying other independents and, and turning themselves into many chains of five, six, seven stores. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that's absolutely right. So we're here in, 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 in our offerings to, to give them the best opportunity to get access to industry leaders and knowledge and, and and vendors that are going to be able to help them in that journey without having to go and through sift through them all themselves. 
The, the other thing that we are working on currently to help with members, and this goes back to um, reimbursements and, and, and it has to do more with the buy side. So, um, you know, we're a primary vendor uh, with McKesson, a very great relationship for a lot of years and it will continue on, um, you know, in, into, you know, into the future as we hope that uh, we continue to move on with, with McKesson. That said, uh, you know, there's just certain amounts of things that any primary wholesaler can and cannot do when it comes to specifically on the generic side. And a lot of the opportunities that happen out in the market because of all the uh, turbulence within the generic manufacturing side with people losing awards or winning awards on the source programs and opportunity buys and programs going out there where source programs necessarily are at a higher price than you can buy in a secondary market due to the fact that it is a cross-subsidized model where the WAC minus discounts are being paid for with generic margin uh, in some form or a fashion. So it always makes that secondary market more attractive. So what we're working on specifically is outside of the, you know, once you're into your compliance, it's not 100% compliance. So it's a matter of taking out for a walk what it is that you have over and above your compliance that is available to be purchased out in the market and to average cost down your entire book. And part of doing that is going through the IPC warehouse. And I know you just showed a picture of it there uh, on the cast here. Uh, the IPC warehouse is, is one of the largest wholesalers in the nation um, in terms of what we do. We have 2,000 um, members that are selling, you know, that are buying from us on the GPO side, and we have another 4,000 affiliates, which would be um, agnostic to whatever wholesale they happen to be doing. Um, at any one time, we're carrying $80 million worth of inventory on the floor. Uh, we uniquely have uh, branded products uh, that we do sell um, and are, you know, at a typical of cost, right there on the website, cost less three, um, which, you know, on specific products is probably either at par or better than some of the differentially priced items out there, such as the things that are hitting us right now, like GLP ones or uh, other products that being able to access through, through our warehouse not only helps your GCR calculation with your primary wholesaler, whoever that might be, but also getting access to some lower cost generics to at least take some of that cap that you have over and above your compliance of your contract out such that you can take advantage of it and, and, and help your overall bottom line. Um, so those are those are some big things that we're working on within the warehouse. We just recently, uh, and this goes back to the tradition of the business, uh, the IPC warehouse always had a rebate. So whatever you bought from the IPC warehouse, you would get a, a rebate 45 days later. And, you know, being from the secondary industry, running masters and being on TrickSaid and all the platforms and knowing the entire secondary market, you know, you ask the obvious question, well, why do we do that? And it's, well, we always do that. We've always done it. As well, the whole idea of the secondary market is cash flow and opportunity, uh, and it's not the reason why wholesalers use rebates is to hold you to your compliance. <laughs> you know, so let's just go to net. And so, as of March first, we went full net in all of our warehouse, uh, which makes it a lot simpler because you're not sending out rebates, you're not holding money, and it makes our product or our pricing in line with the secondary market to be more competitive. That's fascinating. I'm assuming you've got the mechanism to help make sure that what they buy from your warehouse and what they buy from their primary wholesaler, which I guess in this case is McKesson, they balance it all out so that they qualify for their uh, their uh, performance rebates. Correct. Right? We have we have specific tools. Now, we're only able to do that, obviously, with IPC members where we have data feeds and we help them to to maintain within com compliance with some of the tools that we do have and offer. Um, obviously, you know, three out of four dollars that come through our warehouse are, are not from IPC members. So um, that there, it's a matter of people have other tools in the marketplace that exist that are probably using that, or there are some folks that, um, you know, they just, uh, they're willing to go out and, 
you know, not get the branded cost of goods, but being able to be a 0% GCR customer and shop the marketplace. That is becoming one of the largest models that I'm seeing out of the marketplace is a non-cross subsidized model of getting your brands at WAC minus three, but getting uh, your all your generics at net at secondary pricing. So you have to do and, the math, it's a math exercise, but it is becoming yeah. more ubiquitous out of the marketplace. And to be clear, a person can, can buy from the warehouse without being an IPC member? Yes, anybody can. Anybody with a retail pharmacy license can buy from our warehouse. Um, they're called an affiliate member, but yeah, there's no no dues. You, know, you just basically go on the IPC uh, website and set up your account, and you'd have access to all 2,200 generics and 3,300 or 330 uh, brand items, uh, and the $85 million dollars worth of inventory that we have uh, access to in our warehouses. Our warehouse. So, so by side, you're helping as best you can, and you're trying to untangle the the maze of future opportunities. Um, uh, explain to me a little bit about the ownership. Uh, I know that one of the things that you wanted to make clear is the cooperative nature that your members are stockholders and what does that entail and provide? How does that help you and how does that help your members? Very good. And thank you for the, for the question. So as a cooperative, uh, we are a true co-op. So we do not uh, we do not re retain uh, any of the admin fees that we collect as a GPO. We're a little bit unique, and this is where it's exciting for what it is that we do and the opportunity with our warehouse. Um, our member owners are the 2100 GPO members. So those are the members that are under the McKesson prime vendor contract that we have. That is what constitutes being a member. They have a right to vote in elections, uh, elect board members, uh, be board members. So that's what a member is. And they are the owner of the company and I work effectively for them. So what happens is, is that as you can imagine, all GPOs, the way they operate and the way they get money is that they get an admin fee from their primary wholesaler, whatever that might be. It's usually a sub one percentage of net sales um, that everybody gets. And that goes to fund all your rebates team, your marketing teams, all those things that happen in any type of GPO come from those admin fees. And we're no different. So we're bringing in those particular admin fees uh, into the IPC uh, domain. And what happens is, is that our warehouse, because we service a lot of non-IPC members, including IPC members, does generate a, I don't know if you want to call it a profit, but creates a dividend for the members. And the amount of money that we produce in the IPC warehouse is greater than the expenses that we incur for running the GPO. So all of those admin dollars that are paid by our primary wholesaler come to us are 100% dispersed back to the members. So they effectively it's free, it doesn't cost them anything. So uh, all those admin fees to every dollar goes back to the member and any residual over and above those admin dollars that were collected on their, you know, from their purchases that is a residual from the warehouse is also dispersed back to the members is what we call the patronage dividend. So to the owners. And uh, so what happens is, is that we effectively on a yearly basis, we pay out 25% of the profits of that particular year. And then we retain 75% for three years. And that three year retention that we have of that money is what funds the $85 million that we have to have an in inventory sitting on the floor uh, plus, we also have credit terms and all that, so it's not all of that. And then uh, each year in May, we release the th the one year of the, the third year of 
uh, retained earnings. So come this May, our members will be dispersed their 2019 equity. Uh, and then should somebody decide to leave, um, you know, the, the group, they can either have their equity paid out in perpetuity until it's all paid out, or they can, uh, with a discount, they can have it all taken out at any time. So, but it's a very lucrative thing. It's on average for a pharmacy, it's probably uh, 30 basis points of their entire purchase, maybe a little bit more. Wow. Um, that is that is what our historical dividend is, and it is growing because of the profits of our warehouse. So, um, speaking of your warehouse, it's my understanding that you have had two, you've consolidated that into one. Has that happened, or is it happening? What's the status of that? that that's a great question. So, the, the reason why we had the two warehouses at the time was in order to create redundancy should you have mechanical hurricane, storm, snow, whatever it is. It was really a misguided thing in terms of our working capital strategy. So we had to kind of correct that. Um, so there's really not a reason. We have redundant uh, conveyors. We have redundant power supplies, all that stuff here, just like any distribution center would. Um, and out of the one or two times a year that we get a snowstorm, uh, it's not worth having the two warehouses. So the reason why we did the consolidation specifically is that we would have 50 million or 55 million dollars sitting on the floor in Sun Prairie, which was our main hub, and a further 30 million dollars sitting down in Phoenix. That Phoenix facility is now closed. It closed uh, on April the 1st. Um, all the product is now here. 100% of our orders have been coming out of Madison for several weeks now. Uh, all that inventory no longer exists. So what that does is, as we talked about, having those patronage dividends uh, being retained. Um, we now have a cash play of being able to bring that roughly 20 to $25 million worth of cash back in-house by better managing the inventory, which is the same way the big wholesalers do. They're big cash generators, yeah. and we're no different. We have to work on cash flow, and what that will allow us to do is to be able to redeploy that, that money into the development of the products that I talked about a little bit earlier on that ecosphere to bring a, an easy button for all these things that are hitting independent pharmacies now. It's got to be future. huge efficiencies in terms of just rent and you know equipment, equipment maintenance, and then obviously turns. You're turning your inventory better now because it's all in one place. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. It was it was a, a little bit more expensive because we're we're now flying to the West Coast rather than from Phoenix, um, but everything's overnight air. Um, so we were, it was roughly a four or five hundred thousand uh, dollar incremental expense to that. But between the duplicative inventory of $30 million, plus the rent, as you mentioned, you got all that staffing management, inventory control, licensing, heat, light, power. It was it was kind of a no-brainer. And we were also able to work with our, our delivery partners, which was important to get a later pickup in order to be able to make West Coast oh, cut off time. And that, yeah. that worked out with, uh, with our trading partner, UPS, who actually has two shuttles, one that goes to Madison Airport and another shuttle <laughs> that goes to their Rockford, uh, Illinois uh, major hub. Uh, in order to make that connection so it had to be a little creative but uh well, you know they, they did a great job for us and uh we sounds, haven't missed a step i don't think anybody like, even knows it's not coming out of uh, out of phoenix anymore sounds like your warehousing and operations experience is going to be put to good use at ipc so that's good news yeah absolutely so, and we're, we're currently working on some other things we're working looking at an automation package in order to be able to put more density and, and more throughput in through shorter hours not a real labor savings but a, an opportunity savings for hours and um, those are the exciting things that we have, uh, you know, on the horizon here in short order. Well, I, I want to give Todd an opportunity to jump in here and ask a question or two. Um, he's sitting here silently <laughs> absorbing all of this, but uh, 
I, I guess the big thing I want to ask you to do and, and do it as um, scholarly or as gentlemanly as possible. Uh, we got thousands of pharmacy owners listening to my show, some of whom I guess are not IPC members. So um, would, would there be a, a, a major unique selling proposition that you would want to propose to people listening today that you would want to invite them to look into your organization? Yeah, so there's, there's a few things. Uh, one that's, as I mentioned, not ready for prime time, but it will be minimum viable product, as they call it in the IT world, will be available um, for us at our trade show on June 22nd, which is also known as Idea Share, which is a McKesson uh, trade show. But for those who are who are not IPC members and where we have a real advantage is not only do we have our warehouse, not only do those profits get reshared with the owners, and being an owner just means you're on the IPC contract, whether it's as your own supplemental agreement you would have directly with McKesson at a different economics than our base deal, or if you're on a participation agreement in our base deal uh, that is not committed and you're in that, you're still a member. But what it allows you also access to is, and you may remember this from, from years ago, uh, but it's very still contemporary, is our pharmacy select contract. So pharmacy select is, a, is roughly a $200 million generic contract that sits below the source program uh, for our members. So what happens is, is that if the source program uh, product is either the wrong product, the wrong NDC, whatever it may, may happen to be, or it's not priced competitively, because you know sometimes the wholesalers just don't have the right horse. It happens, it's frequent, and it, it, it's part of sourcing where they don't have the correct horse, uh, you are able to source the pharmacy select contract uh, in the backup position, and it completely counts towards your GPR or GCR, which is your compliance metrics with our primary wholesaler, which is extremely, extremely valuable uh, for our members. And uh, so it gives them those alternatives. We have 11,000 items on that uh, on that lead. Manufacturers love being on that lead. Uh, and it's a great partnership uh, you know, with those manufacturers to give them opportunities to, to put things, because you know, you'll have a, a molecule that has five manufacturers, well, only three of them are gonna be on source. <laughs> somewhere, yeah. uh, or maybe even less than that if uh, somebody wins two awards. So there's always, always somebody banging on our door to get on that program, to give that economic uh, advantage to an independent owner. It does have a back-end rebate as well. Uh, that rebate is paid directly by uh, IPC to the member. It doesn't go through the primary wholesaler, but all those contracts are loaded and visible um, on their regular platform and ordering system comes in the regular order. You hit the do not sub button on the on the system and you're able to get access to that. So that's another really, really big advantage um, that we we tout out in the marketplace. We're also probably the most heavily involved in, in, and a lot of people have interest in our government affairs and what we're doing out of the marketplace. And then this digital platform, which will be available, will be industry leading availability of all the tools um, that one will need for medical billing, for teledoc, for telepharmacy, for DSCSA, for all of that in one bundled package that's easy and concise because it is a bear to be able to go through all of that stuff in the marketplace. It's it's a bear for me and, and I'm an insider on, the, on a lot of that stuff yeah. uh, at these trade shows. I can't imagine for an independent owner who's just trying to take care of his patients and take care of his family or her family that, that has got to be a very stressful situation. And, and we've decided to take that head on. And part of having that warehouse, you know, a lot of that, those IT dollars and things are expensive to do, um, but not having to use member money or owner money 
and having that that funding mechanism is, is a really unique opportunity with IPC and we're super excited uh, to continue to grow um, with our 2100 members. The other reason to grow is a lot of those services and products as we go to say, uh, go to payers in the future, it's all about hotspots or heat maps or coverage. So the, the more coverage you're able to get, um, so that way as we direct patients and scripts and whatnot within the you know within the communities that come through these digital portals, uh, that bigger footprint makes us more valuable to payers as they try to build out networks as well, because that's kind of going to be the future. Todd, he's all ears for a minute. Well, I know uh, the the market enough to know how competitive it it is, and I know that our uh, community pharmacies are relying on um, IPC uh, to to be a business partner and to deliver a common denominator and a platform and infrastructure that they can grow from. But what I get most excited about, even though the wholesale industry and the balance between um, generics and and brands and how important that is uh, to the to the basis of any community pharmacy. What makes me excited is the additional services that IPC is investing in um, immunization programs, um, special point of care testing, uh, 340B, um, medical billing specifically, getting your community pharmacy as a long-term care provider from a home care perspective, not necessarily delivering services to a nursing home, but literally going into the home and becoming a, a conduit of, of better public health. So speak to some of those additional pharmacy services that, that you're offering, uh, Mark, through IPC and, and how this will help to expand and grow our community pharmacies. Certainly. So one of the, some of the biggest things that are, that are coming, coming down the pike is uh, certainly uh, when it comes to the point of care testing. So we're we're in the process of making sure that we have CLIA certified laboratories. So that way, as people want to, obviously your your, your point of care testing where the is a visual thing right there at the pharmacy. You do that with COVID, but there's a lot of tests out there that we're working on specifically that need CLIA certified laboratories. Uh, we're having an ecosystem where you can access the lab results both back to the pharmacy and to the care provider. Um, and the patient, um, you know, in a, in a HIPAA compliant type of, uh, of an ecosphere and being able to connect a lot of these dots for independence and being able to push them into the ways we need. And even having the kits available, marketed and sold right there in the pharmacy, and they'll even be in a potentially in a private label uh, IPC uh, yet to be determined, uh, you know, private label or whatever we look at. But it's a matter of expanding those opportunities to be able to not only uh, not only be able to provide the service, but also get paid for it as we're working for the medical billing components, getting those CPT codes and IDK 10s in there to make sure that our members can go ahead and properly bill and know how to bill for these particular products, uh, as well as your similarly with remote patient monitoring, how do you get paid for doing that? How do you, with children caregivers that may live in a different state and their mom is over here, uh, how do you loop the family into these types of things? And those are the developments that are ongoing with what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and uh, we're, we're ready to, you know, make sure that our independent pharmacies have access to everything that a chain could possibly do. And uh, we do have the breadth and depth of, of knowledge and, and capital and infrastructure at IPC to be able to do that with our 170 employees and, and the uh, 2000 members. So, um, 
we're just looking at to to my earlier statement and it wasn't my statement i probably stole it from somewhere on linkedin but it's the future proof of pharmacy that's yeah. truly our mantra here and that is what our what we're trying to accomplish with our with our membership and uh, that was certainly the direction that the board had for me when uh, when they had asked me to to step in it's we've been great this has been a, a very successful model you know where where's the puck going to be to use a being canadian using the wayne gretzky analogy mm -hmm. got to be with the puck you got to know where the puck's going and uh <laughs> So that's what they're hoping that I'm going to do, and I'm hoping I'm delivering. So, well, you know, the the challenge, optimistic statement that I would make, and I, I consistently hold to this, is the future of pharmacy is bright. Um, it's just not what it was. Right. Um, yeah. The you know the I just wrote an article talking about paradigms, and the paradigm for successful pharmacy when I got started in this business was fill more scripts, and. Uh, and and I still find myself asking that question when I'm getting acquainted with somebody on a show. You know, tell me about your pharmacy. How many scripts do you fill? Mm -hmm. and, and that's just embedded into our mindset. And in cracking that mold with patient remote patient monitoring, what an exciting opportunity! Combo med pharmacies. There's just a the, and what nothing better is needed. Todd's interviewed people who are franchising uh, pharmacies to get into the home healthcare business, the, you know, providing the people who go into the homes and what a better platform in the world for that business to be built on than behind a, a successful independent pharmacy. There's, you know, there's just a lot of ways to go, but the thing I'll come back to is if that's just shot out there, you know, and, and presented, this way or that way or whatever, you got to be able to paint a picture of the whole thing and sit down with a guy or a, a gal who owns a pharmacy and say, okay, you know, here's 25 things you can do based on who you are, what your marketplace is like, what your personality is. Here's three that I suggest you get started with and then have somebody, and that's where your field reps come in, have somebody who can hold their hand or kick them in the butt and, and get them moving. Cause it's a combination of a, they got to make the change. Um, it's no longer optional, but the, the change is here. And fortunately it's a very attractive change. You're going to get closer to your patients and uh, be more valuable to them. And there's ways to get paid for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we're seeing uh, Bruce is that um, with the change in consumer buy habits and the, comfort level that people have in digital space, whether it's digital interactions or, um, you know, digital buying, a lot of the new and younger pharmacists, uh, not that older pharmacists don't keep contemporary, but are, are maybe have some of that passion for some of that digital space. I know I'm not very great at it. My daughter still helps me with my iPad. Hmm. But what I do see is that a lot of these younger pharmacists coming out of college that are into the, you know, the NACP, uh, you know, buyers, uh, ownership programs, or, or trying to look at new people coming into the industry. They're extremely excited about this new paradigm, to use your word, um, of where this could go and how do they, you know, how do they serve their community in a better way uh, in terms of access to all the critical care that is lacking in some of these underserved neighborhoods or rural communities to be the point, you know, first point of contact and the most trusted professional in the, in the space. And that's always been there. It's now just reaching out to the next generation of pharmacists as well as the next generation of consumers in order to how do we, how do we consolidate a lot of this? And a lot of it too, it was in part what we're trying to do 
is understanding, and this comes from my own personal experiences of having parents that uh, you know you worry about, and that uh, how do we get them in the ecosphere where the caregiver child is able to be a part of this process and have access to this information and have access to these relationships with the primary caregiver, the primary pharmacy, you know, and the parent. And so those are the types of things we're also working on that I think will be important to bridge that that gap as we move forward. Well, uh, you know, I, I think we're coming to the end here. I would want to just reiterate the easy way for people to find out more about IPC is to go to the internet or go to the web. Their uh, web address is IPC, Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, just IPCRX.com. And um, uh, Mark and his team will be happy to chat with you and tell you what they're doing. And I know they've got people in the field who can come by and visit with you face to face. So um, Todd, any last words or Mark, any last words? And then we'll sign off and, and uh, thank everybody for listening today. I think it's it's time to level up as a pharmacy owner. So if you are not a um, a member of a buying group that is saturated with existing owners that can come up with ideas internally, I think of IPC as, like I said, the infrastructure for creativity. IPC has to give their members a stability to grow based on what is today. But IPC's members are gonna be the creative ones to inventing the pharmacy of the future. So they're gonna to continue to bring services and, 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 um, and, and, and products and ideas and digital therapeutics, pharmacogenomics, a bunch of the stuff. And when they're vetted by existing members who know if it works or not, now it gets to be marketed and pushed through the IPC. I, I think it's brilliant that it's an owner, it's, an, it's a pharmacy owned buying group. Because now mm -hmm. it's it's almost like we get to laboratory ideas, make sure that they work, and then they're pushed out through um, IPC's reach, um, all the while sustaining and helping pharmacies to do the basics in order to stay in business. And I think that that combination is is what the future of pharmacy is. I absolutely agree. I think the future is absolutely bright. Um, I wouldn't have not have left a successful 25 year career, um, you know, where I was in order to bring on something that A, I wasn't passionate about, B, I didn't think that had sustainability and, and C was one thing that we we couldn't all collectively and, and even non-IPC members, just the independent pharmacy community in general can't continue to grow and, and, and really uh, thrive uh, to an earlier point that was made about uh, independent pharmacy in the infrastructure, health infrastructure of the nation. It's exciting. Um, it's it's going to be uh, you know one that's going to continue to grow, but it does have its hurdles and challenges as we talked about with the DIR hangover and those types of things that we need to prepare ourselves for. But we are also getting a lot of traction at the state levels and even at the federal level with provider status, with PBM clarity, with NADAC pricing, um, things that were we are having an impact and we're being listened to. And that's not always in this industry as I've been here a long time, as you all have, has not always been the case. Um, and now we are starting to see that. And I'm, I'm excited for the future and I'm excited to be at IPC. And thank you very much for, for having me on your show today. Uh, and certainly if anybody ever has any follow-up questions, um, you know, if they reach out to you or not, just uh, send them my way. Uh, I love talking, I love talking to folks. 
Um, you can imagine my calendar is, is, is pretty full with just meeting people all day because I really don't do anything. I, I kind of just walk around and meet people. <laughs> I physically don't do anything as the, as the CEO. I kind of go around and say, how are we working on things and setting out some visions? And that's a great place to be. I'm about to go into a town hall, an all-staff town hall, and, uh, and share with them very much what we just shared with you. So. Well, again, congratulations on your appointment, and uh, uh, I, th I think your board has made a, a wonderful selection. And um, my my uh, my motto here at Pharmacy Crossroads, and the way I typically always close off is, "Hey, thanks for listening." And I'm hoping that something that was said and shared here today will inspire pharmacy owners to do more and be better. So with that, I'll say goodbye for Pharmacy Crossroads. And uh, Todd, you can do what you need to do for this week in pharmacy. Well, that's it. This has uh, been in a wonderful episode. One of the first that we've combined another extremely popular show uh, to our community pharmacy owners. That's a sweet spot for me because I know what it does to our public. I know what it does to our 330 million Americans that are out there and how important their pharmacist is uh, seeing their pharmacist nine times their, uh, their primary care. So it's necessary. It's it has to thrive. It has to keep moving. And sometimes it's the only healthcare service that a services that a community has. So um, champions that keep um, keep us alive and thriving, um, like Mark and the IPC team, are are vital. So Mark, thank you so much. And as Bruce said, congratulations on your appointment. And thank we're going to be watching you and supporting you ongoing. I can't wait to work with the IPC team more. I love being here and I hope to, to be uh, with you again here in the future on the channel. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for Bye. listening to This Week in Pharmacy and Pharmacy Crossroads. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you.